The free agency dust has largely settled. It's time to power rank the East and Western Conference. Also, does the salary cap even matter anymore? It's a good question. It's the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA. Let's do this. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On NBA is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code Locked On. you're going to get 20% off your next order. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA, the daily podcast covering everything you want to know about the association. And uh, there's a lot going on right now with the draft going right into free agency. We cover it all here. On Wednesdays, I'm your co-host Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. And I'm John Corrales at Reds Army underscore John on Twitter, and I host the Lockdown Celtics podcast. I guess before we get into anything, when we were talking about what our show was going to be, we were going to do a segment on Brandon Ingram and Bam Adebayo getting max deals. They got max deals. That's the segment. They got max deals. Yeah, congratulations. There doesn't need to be much like read into this. I don't right. think. You, congratulations to New Orleans and Miami for doing exactly what they should do. Exactly. So congratulations to them. So now we're going to, let's, you you're ready to say, do they, this? They should listen to Lockdown Pelicans for more. They should listen to Lockdown Pelicans more for more. About Broke, Lockdown broke Heat. down uh, that deal. Check out Lockdown Heat to know more about how they're going to build around BAM. There you See, go. There's a little synergy there. There we go. We're, we're pros at this sort of thing. We're also going to be <laughs> pros at probably making some people upset here in a second, I think, because it is power <laughs> rankings times. Like free agency's Woo-hoo. done. I think it's time to look at these teams and rosters. All the big moves are yeah. done. Like we we can start to to guys, separate them up a little bit here. The guys did the winners and losers in free agency yesterday, so we've yeah. got to move on. And now we're looking at the teams. So okay, let's so let's take let's, it uh, take it by conference. It. I think here, let's start with the let's start with the um. What did we say? We're gonna start with the, well, the west. west here. West okay, uh, west first. Whatever. All right. Should we just take it from the top? Let's count them down. It's a very Starting highly with... technically planned podcast. As you, as you could tell. Um, although the yeah, rankings like, are pretty scientific here. Do you have any criteria I've, for like building these out? Uh, yes. Teams that I think are good and better than the teams below them. That's perfect. That sounds like perfect power rankings. Everyone must take these as fact too. You yes. can't disagree with us whatsoever. Basically, uh, with- in a series between these two teams, the team above would win. <laughs> there you go. Right? That's good. Over seven games, right? Yeah, basically. Yeah, okay. Uh, so starting with one in the West, I'm assuming you've got Lakers there? Uh, yes. You know, I, I will say, look, they did a great job this offseason. They really did. Yeah. And I, I will say, like, the, you know, Rob Polinka, there was a lot of consternation from Lakers fans after last season. And I was like, look, all he did was say, okay, yes, I would like to take Anthony Davis. And I was really like, okay, he didn't do a whole lot. Now I will give him a lot more credit. He did a whole lot. Uh, Montrez Harrell and Marcus Saul, Schroeder, Wesley Matthews, uh, the moves that they made significantly improved the championship team, fixed some holes there. I, I think, like, we talked about can the Lakers repeat on a show uh, yep. a, a month ago or, or, or so. And I was like, yeah, I, you know, I think so. Now it's like, okay. Lakers yeah. are clearly number one. It's their championship to lose at this moment. Yeah. If you look at who they added in Schroeder and Gasol and basically everyone, it's all, they're all better, even if it's just somewhat marginally than the guys that are outgoing. You know, I'll take Marcus Gasol over Dwight Howard, I think. You know, I, yeah. I certainly like Wes Matthews maybe in that Danny Green kind of role after how Danny Green looked in the playoffs. So, like, they're, they're better all around. Like, they're number one. I don't even know if it's particularly close. Here's, and here's why these moves are, are especially important because of the short turnaround. These are guys that can handle regular season workloads. And it's not like Rondo who takes time off or, but these are guys that are going to come in and work during the regular season that can handle some of the things and, and let LeBron kind of ramp up a little bit more, let Anthony Davis ramp up a little more. So that I think is as important for this particular Lakers team in this particular situation versus, you know, maybe others, but uh, that's, that I think is why uh, they're, they're number one in my book, because it's going to help them that much more come playoff time. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Um, number two, I've got the Clippers. And he just so right there. Okay, there yep. we go. Uh, this one's I'm a little shaky on some, somewhat. I this think, is where I it gets probably, weird. It starts to get weird in the West. Like doing the West is tough. I, I just think that like how they crashed out of the playoffs is probably like the shot in the arm they needed. Ty Lue's probably going to step in and kind of have a, a less BS attitude than maybe Doc Rivers did. And that's probably exactly mm-hmm. what this team needed. This has less to do with the moves they've made and more to do about Paul George and Kawhi Leonard like w- waking up to some degree. Sure. But also Serge Ibaka is going to help. I think the yes. Luke Kennard get is, is big. Yeah. He was good before he got hurt for the Pistons. Yeah. Like Luke Kennard is going to be an important player for them and, and a guy that they can rely on to hit threes. Um, and like I said, the Ibaka move is going to be, I, I think a big deal because obviously it gives them a defensive presence. We, you know, Everybody loves Montrez Harrell. He's cool. He dunks. He's like, but like Ibaka is going to be the steady guy. And he he's played with Kawhi before. Obviously he's won a championship with Kawhi before he gets it. So I think, I think those moves are going to be big for the Clippers. Yeah, that's uh, I agree with all of that. Okay. Who do you have at three? I'm going to go this Denver. Is where it gets interesting. Yeah. Uh, that's who I, I have. I okay. Okay, good. Good. Because I know there's a lot of stuff, you know, Portland, really improved like everybody loves the portland move but you know what the nuggets they keep Millsap, which is big i know they big. had some losses but you know you know getting Jamichael green is a good move and they still got all of the guys that were important from from last year they, they've still got Jokic. like you don't have to keep so in, jamal murray you know like they've if, got if it's like, fringe guys you're losing it's not a big deal as much you know like right. jeremy they, grant losing him is gonna hurt but it's not like uh, they're not championship contenders. Like Jeremy Grant is not the difference maker there. Also, Michael Porter Jr. is basically like a free agent addition to them. He looked amazing in the bubble. He got sure. sporadic regular season minutes. He's going to be a regular part of the rotation. And if he plays like he did in the bubble, it's like adding a new guy to the team compared to last year, I think. Right, right. I mean, you got to hope for some incremental improvement. You got to hope for a little bit of uh, defensive improvement, a little better defensive awareness. But the Nuggets are still damn good. So yeah. I didn't see anyone else doing enough to surpass the Nuggets, though it was close. Like basically from three all the way down to seven, it's, you know, whatever. Pick, pick a name out of a hat, basically. But yeah, I'm going with the Nuggets at three. Okay, who do you have and at then, four? And then I put Portland at four. Okay. I think I, that's I, fair, but I don't have them there. Okay. I, I put Portland at four again. It's, it's close, but I, I do think that Again, the moves that they made shored up weaknesses uh, and just Dame Lillard is Dame Lillard and he's he's motivated to win, uh, getting him some help, shoring up some of the things. And and honestly, most importantly, getting Whiteside the hell out of there. Is, I think that was big. That's Healthy big Nurkic deal. to the Healthy the Nurkic for a full is a season. Really big deal. They shored up a bunch of wing depth. Um I think, you know, Covington's huge. Covington's a a big deal. Covington's big for them. Yeah. Like they, they did great. They did great. And they, they vaulted themselves, I think, into contention for home court in the first round. So I agree with that part. I have the Warriors here just to kind of play it safe. Like this could be an all-time year from Steph Curry and Draymond Green still there. And that's going to take you pretty far. And so I have... The Warriors at four, then Portland at five, but it's it's splitting hairs at that point. So I have Golden State at six, and maybe okay. maybe it's because the I, like I think the Clay Thompson thing hurts. Uh, I'm not so sure about Wiggins, and uh, totally um, fair, you know, and and I think getting Kelly Oubre into the the trade exception was a nice move, as a mm-hmm. nice recovery. But who knows? Like, I'm waiting. Like, show me. So Golden State could be three for all we know. Yeah, because that, oh, totally Steph fair. Is, Steph is great, obviously. Draymond's great, obviously. And they've got a lot of rest. So they should be raring to go right away. I just, I put Golden State down at six because of those questions right away with Wiggins and Oubre. Show it to me. Two weeks into the season, I can completely change my tune. So who do you have at five? Dallas. Really? Yeah. I'm a big Luca guy. I just I think it's Luka, totally fair. I think Luca is is gonna 
Like, I just believe in Luka. And I think he alone is worth taking Dallas up into the fifth seed. So, yeah. But again, so, flip them, put them at six, whatever. But yeah. No, 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 I get it. So I've got, so mine's Lakers, Clippers, Denver, uh, uh, Warriors, uh, Trailblazers. I've got Utah here. I think getting Derek Favors back for them gives them a little bit more. De- they weren't as good defensively as we've seen in the past year. And adding a little bit more defense and making them a little bit more balanced, I think is kind of big. Yeah, no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight you on any of these because you can like I said, you can flip them. Here's yeah. here's my here's my thing with Utah. I I I'm not high on Rudy Gobert. I'm not that okay. high on Rudy Gobert. Regular season wise, sure, but uh I think I'm letting my you can you can scheme him out kind you of mentality. Yeah, very much so. So like I in this type of situation where I'm looking for tiebreakers, I think, oh yeah, they've got Gobert. Like, okay, he could be defensive player of the year and then a complete non-factor and as part of an early exit. So you uh, put him on skates out on the perimeter, and it's a big, big problem for him. You know, know we've seen again, that. we can we can look at this Utah Jazz team. I can, we can get David Locke on here, and he'll make three arguments. I'd be like, okay, yeah, they they should be number two. Like. I, I'm not going to doing that. these is, is so difficult because they're all pretty freaking good. And it's, it's right. just kind of that. So you've got, you said you had Utah at seven. So I go nuggets, Portland, Dallas, golden state, Utah. Okay. As three through seven. So then you have the Suns at eight. I have them ninth right now. Who do you have? Okay. I have Houston at eight because James Harden is still on that team. Okay. I think that's fair. And I wanted, I didn't want to put them at eight, but (laughs) until, until Harden and Westbrook are gone. And we know that Westbrook is like one of the worst contracts and blah, blah, blah. But in that scenario, when he was healthy, the second half of the season, before he got COVID, before he got hurt, we were like, whoa, holy Westbrook resurgence. So I know that they're all a little pissed off and it's not going particularly great over there. And, and they may not even make it into 2021 on the team. But for now, as long as they are on the team, I have to believe that they're going to be at least good enough to be a playoff team. I, I think So I have them at nine because of that. Like, I'm not ready to count them out yet. And I don't think they're in complete right. free fall. Now this could easily change if they make one move. So I've got Utah at six. I've got Phoenix at seven. And then I've got the Mavs Ooh. at eight. The Mavs are at eight because I don't, I'm not a, as sold on Kristaps being healthy. So if you're, okay. if he's not going to start the season and it doesn't appear that he's going to, it's knocking him down like that. This is, you know, it's tough doing these kind of things. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I think it probably shakes out at the end of the year is, my eight is Lakers, Clippers, Denver, Warriors, Portland, Utah, Suns, Mavs. I'm a big believer in Chris Paul. Throwing him in the backcourt with Devin Booker is going to be a whole lot of fun. Maybe I'm a, you know, a slave to the moment of the 8-0 Phoenix Suns in the bubble. They look like they're building something there. Also, I do think Monty Williams is a good coach. Sure. Look, I have Phoenix at nine. So they're knocking on the door of the playoffs. And, yeah. and in Houston, making one move, one trade is going to knock them down and, and elevate Phoenix. So I, I can see that. I, I buy into everything that you're saying about Phoenix. I just don't buy into Phoenix just yet. Rob Sarver is still the owner. So there, he's going to screw something up. He is, but they've made good moves. Like they're, they're, they're not I know. It's like shocking the that they did, but you know, like there's, there's at no some point. Goats going to the bathroom in any offices <laughs> right now. Like they they actually yeah. traded for Chris Paul and, and it was good. And all of that stuff, I'm kind of like a believer in. And yeah. as long as he stays the hell away, like, the, I don't know, that team could be really, really good. And the Mavs, I'm just lower on because I, I liked what they did in the draft. They added a bunch of guys in the draft that I like. Those guys aren't going to contribute a ton this season. So I'm not ready to like vault them that high. Luca will take you really far, but he still doesn't really play defense. He's shooting too many threes more than he should, and he's not a great three-point shooter. And if Chris Stapps isn't healthy to start the year, I, like they're a playoff team. I'm just not ready to kind of put them above where they are right now as of like today. Okay. At, I, um, like, this is bad yeah, podcasting. Like, so like, I'm like, yes, I accept your arguments. I'm not going to. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm not going to yell um, at you like Sports Talk Radio. 
So the Grizz and the Pels, I have kind of tied for 10th. I okay. think they're kind I, of even there. I got New Orleans 10, but I've got Memphis 12. Here's my thing with Memphis. Okay, here we go. I, I do not doubt their talents, but I feel like whenever a team overachieves like they do, or like they did in, in Memphis, much like Sacramento did two years ago, there is an expectation now thrust on them, and they're still too young to deal with that. And so there's the big step forward, the step backwards, and then steps forward. I think that's kind of how it goes. So I think everybody's going to look to Memphis and be like, yeah, here we go, Memphis. Build on that big year last year. But we also, after they traded away um, Jay Crowder and uh, – who else was in that deal? Drawing a blank. I know it was uh, Solomon, Powell, Hill. Solomon Hill. Um, after they trade away those guys who were important parts of Memphis's success, everything kind of cratered over there. So they they also definitely were not as good as their record in going into the bubble. They had the one of the easier schedules in the league, and it was only going to get hard in the games that didn't end up getting played. And that's why you saw them in the bubble, and they didn't look as good. That's why I'm not throwing them into the playoffs just yet, but they had another good draft. They have a bunch of young guys and they've added some continuity to the team and they're all, you know, in theory, going to take a step forward. I think that's good enough to get you into that fighting spot for the 10th, ninth spot to get into kind of the little play in that everything's going on. But right now I wouldn't see them getting in otherwise. Same yeah. for New Orleans. Losing Drew Holiday hurts as good as Brandon Ingram yeah. and Zion is the defense is a bit of a mess. Steve, Steven Adams is a nice addition, but he doesn't solve by himself a lot of the problems the team had these two are going to be fighting it out for like the last kind of playoff spot i think mm -hmm. yeah i mean so then who do you have at what 11 11, 11 11 um this this might be my more controversial pick i suppose but we're at 11 so san antonio um it's fine like it's fine yeah I just, I'm not sold this, on this team as much. So I'm a little surprised by that, but it's also like, I'm assuming Popovich is a huge part of it's it. It's a 100%. <laughs> I still believe in San Antonio. So I can't drop them three spots further down than they should be. Um, so at 11, still not a playoff team, but like still surprising. Like, so Memphis, I think is better talent, but not ready for that moment. So they drop down San Antonio, maybe less talent, but. They're always ready for that moment, so they overachieve. That's my that's my mentality there. Yeah, that's fine. Like I think I think that's what it is. And then I, I actually have the Sacramento Kings above the Spurs in this, just because I kind of like the youth, and I think they have the best player out of all of those guys in Deer and Fox. But none of those teams are probably getting in like sniffing distance of the playoffs. Then to just wrap it up, so I go Kings, Spurs, Timberwolves, OKC, and the fire sale that that team is. Yeah, so I've got Memphis at 12. I got Minnesota at 13. Sacramento down at 14. That's just me. Like De'Aaron Fox, yeah, but like this whole Bogdanovich mess, I just feel like they're screwing this up. And by by picking Buddy Heald over Bogdanovich, like the smart move, I saw John Hollinger, who's also on the on the network, Hollinger and Duncan, go subscribe to that podcast. Uh, John Hollinger was like, the Kings should match Bogdanovich and then turn around and trade Buddy Heald. Like that's the smart. Yes, move. that would have been the, that's the right move. That's I the right that. move. That now let's see what the Kings do because we still don't know at this point. By the time this this podcast posts, then we'll figure out like later on in the middle of the morning what what happened. But um, it's still the, I, I they're still not going to match that. Head. Like they're not going to do that at all. We kind of know that. Um, that's, so that's like just I'm not silly. worried about that. It is. I agree so with you. It's, it's also the Kangs for a reason, and there's a reason they're not in. Yeah, top I think I think Kangs are going to like. I just can't buy into them. And this at this point, it's all just stupid subjective. I think Minnesota has better has, has that better top end talent, and and maybe we can finally buy into maybe a full season of Carl Anthony Towns and his buddy D'Angelo Russell. So I think Minnesota will be what third worst team in the West. And yeah, then obviously it's, it's brutal out there. Yeah. And OKC Just, is obviously last. Yeah. Obviously last though. I kind of like what they're doing. So like, I hate to put them there, but let me tell you something though. Fire sale. We're going to talk about it later, but man, oh, I've two trade exceptions, two trade exceptions, a ton of picks. Don't tell me that OKC can't turn around and be like, the fourth best team in the West next year with a few good moves. Like that is, gonna, they are certainly prepared for that. 
I also kind of like the idea of it being um, Shea Gilgis Alexander's team. Like I'm going to be enjoy watching him just like do his thing and be the focal point of all of this. And Pokusevsky, if he, and he is coming over, is going to play a lot. Like that's going to be kind of fun. To, they're going to be bad, but they're going to be kind of fun to watch. And they're going to be a team obviously to keep an eye on in the future. So there we go. The only big surprise I think was me having the Mavs super low compared to you here, which means the bank hmm. set is probably going to let us hear it um, <laughs> tomorrow. So, so we'll have some fun with that. All right. So there we go. There's the West. We got the East coming up. Uh, as we break that down, then I'm going to go on a rant about the salary cap in the third segment. And then before we get to all of that, today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. John and I talk about these things all the time, and that's because we Built eat these bar. things every single day, and we spend our own money on it. And the reason I mm-hmm. do it is because I've tried a ton of different protein bars. They're too dense. They're chalky. They taste awful. Like I had one the other day because I needed something, and it kind of tasted metallic-y, and like that sucked. And Bilt Bar isn't like that. These things literally taste like a candy bar. They're like nothing you ever tried. I look forward to actually eating one of these, especially because they're covered in 100% real chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. It's got a different consistency than anything you've had. And oh yeah, they're unbelievably healthy for you during all of this too. So Bilt Bar is running a promo for the holidays. White Christmas here with a bunch of white chocolate flavors, white chocolate cookies and cream. 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, and white chocolate salted caramel while supplies last. 17 grams of protein, also 130 calories, not 250 calories, not 300 calories. 130 meaning you're not wasting that time uh, for all the cardio that you did. This is actually going to help you get in shape and give you everything you need. And they're running a promo right now where you're going to get two free candy cane brownie bars with every item purchased. And they're running 25% off all products all week long, starting Thanksgiving Day at 5 p.m. Go to BuiltBar.com and get 25% off for Black Friday. Plus, don't forget, use the promo code Locked On to get an additional discount on top of that. Again, BuiltBar.com for 25% off for Black Friday and promo code Locked On. All right, don't forget, make sure you're listening to Locked On NBA Daily. There's a lot of news coming fast and quick around the association right now. We're recapping it all for you here daily, no paywall, anything like that. Make sure you're subscribed to the Locked On NBA podcast. All right, John, we're entering your realm now. We just did the Western Conference (laughs) Power Rankings. Time for the East. This is a little bit easier, I think, than doing the West at the very least. Yes, I think there is definitely more definition at the top, and we kind of know who the worst teams are going to be. So, yeah, I think I think this one, a little more consensus. Although I will say, I'm surprised at how much consensus that we had uh, out on the Western side. It's like we do a show together once a week and have <laughs> three, four years. that like We, we didn't plan that out. We were just kind of like reading them out on as we, as we recorded that. It was closer. Maybe there is more... Um, I don't know, like consistency in all of this. Oh, all right. So starting the East, Bucks number one. Oh no, I've got Chicago number. Yes, the Bucks are number <laughs> one. <laughs> Drew Holiday uh, edition for them, I think, is that's great. big. Yeah, yeah, that that helps a lot. Sure. Um, I liked everything they did. Bobby Portis is fi- like a fine addition. Um, DJ Augustin there is also really good. I think like even though they missed out on Bogdanovich, they're still the best team. Yeah, the. I'm hoping, oh, and speaking of which, we're actually getting breaking news right now that Sacramento has indeed declined to match Bogdan Bogdanovich's uh, offer. So go Kings. Just brutal. What a dumb, dumb, what a dumb move. Dumb. You just, they, they mishandled that whole thing. So very much so. uh, now, now that's gonna. Now I'll leave my Atlanta where they are. Uh, all of that aside, though, for Milwaukee, yes, Drew Holiday. They, they, they again shored up the things that they needed to shore up. Um, is it gonna, you know, solidify them at the top? Are they vulnerable still? Sure, still vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, they didn't do as much as the Lakers did to fix their deficiencies, but. They did enough to keep them at the top of the standings. The biggest question here is, did they do enough to get Giannis to sign his Supermax? If, he, if that's the case, and looking at Miami extending Bam out of bio and kind of killing their cap space with that, they might be reading the tea leaves there and saying, uh, we, we're probably not going to be in the running for Giannis. So they went a different direction. Not to say that they can't create that cap space, but we know how intently they held on to it so yeah very much so I think for that I, I think 
that's the sign that he's going to um, that he's going to stick around in Milwaukee, and that that's the biggest deal. Yeah, they're, they're number one. I've got the Heat at two. Uh, you know, re-signing Bam, he's going to take a step forward. You'll have Dragic healthy compared to what we saw in the finals. I think that's big. You know, you lose Jay Crowder, Derek Jones Jr., but Mo Harkless, Avery Bradley, that's like a fine kind of addition to all of that. And if some of their other young guys take a somewhat step forward, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and Spolstra is their head coach, like that's a really good team still. I knew that the conference where we should have consensus, we wouldn't. Ooh. I knew it. I knew right, it. And who you've got too? Brooklyn. I think... I think they that's did fine. I think look, you got KD coming back, and yeah, I kind of need to see KD be be good, but I think he's going to be good. Uh, Kyrie is healthy, playing with a buddy of his. Um, getting Landry Shamit is is important to get a shooter there. Uh, I think I I'm big on the Nash coaching hire because. I think for the first time, Kyrie has a guy who speaks his language. And, and, and that's important. Like having an elite point guard that understands the artistry of the position. And that's, that's where Kyrie, he's always like the artistry of the position. This is to, to have him with Nash kind of understanding what it's like to be in that position. I think it can only help him flourish. I think that they're they're in a good position there. Um, they've got good surrounding pieces. They still have Levert. Uh, they still have the pieces that could make a trade if they need to, to to improve and get a third superstar. I know everybody's looking at James Harden. I, I right now I'm I have Brooklyn at number two. I have them at five. I have Ooh. them kind of so, low because they're so unknown, and I don't fully buy into the speak the language thing. There's a reason Jason Kidd isn't that good of a head coach. It's right. same, same concept, right? Like everyone thinks he can succeed because he was an all-star player. He knows that position. He speaks their language. This thing, look, they can prove me so wrong. And they're like the number one seed. And like, whoa, we yeah. totally misjudged <laughs> that. Too many unknowns to put him that high right now. It's a bit of a show me thing. I worry about Steve Nash in there. Dan Tony, I think we'll get along with all of that and all of that. It's just... It's a lot. It's a lot. I'm not ready to like put them that high yet. Also, so who knows with load management and stuff like that, which could come into play with Durant, with Kyrie, and sure. if they're missing some games here and there, and that keeps them a little bit out of sync, out of whack. It's a bit of a problem. So I actually have Miami at five. Which so we both have the Celtics at three. Uh no, actually I don't. Toronto at I three. I don't. Nope. Philly. I'm okay. I don't, I'm a, I don't hate I, that. I think Philly. It's it's hard for me to say Philly at three, but I I I think. Well, let me just say Miami at five because sure. a short turnaround. So I think there's going to be a little bit of factor in the short turnaround. Not quite ready for um to to just go full bore into the next season. Um, especially how much work that Jimmy Butler had to put in. I think there's a load management issue there. I think there was some overachievement in the bubble based on matchups. So I think that there's a, still a little bit of uh, I don't I, I don't believe 100 percent in getting what they got from Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero on a regular basis daily during the regular season. Um, it's great for the playoffs, and I'm not I'm not discounting anything that they did, and I'm not discounting what chances they have to go deep into the playoffs. Regular season, I think it's a little bit of a different animal. So I, that dropped Miami. Uh, those factors had me drop Miami a little bit. Philly, I just I think Philly had a good draft night. I think uh, Doc Rivers in there and Daryl Morey uh, adding, first of all, getting rid of Horford and and the additions that they've made. It's structure to me in Philly. Philly needed structure around Embiid and Simmons. And what they're doing is trying to recreate the shooting at all of the spots around Embiid and around Simmons. And they're doing a good job of getting shooting in those spots. So I think they're, they know the formula for maximizing those guys. And I don't think Doc Rivers is going to sit around and take some of the things that, um, 
uh, what's his name? Jeez, I just drew a blank on their old coach. <laughs> uh, Brett Brown. Uh, anyway, Brett Brown. Thank you, Jesus man. Um, but I, I don't think that they're going to take that. Doc Rivers is going to take what Brett Brown took from them. I think he adds kind of like a respect and a structure where that's going to help push Embiid, especially to to kind of perform a little bit better and put in the work to to do a little bit more. So I. I think Milwaukee, Brooklyn, and Philly are kind of not – I mean, I'll, I'll put them in the same tier. Okay. Milwaukee's obviously number one, but those are the three teams right now going into the season that I say compete for the top of the East. That's fair. So I have so I have Bucks one, Heat two, Celtics three, Raptors four, Nets five, Sixers six, but I think that three, four, five, six is all really close. I think that's mm-hmm. kind of the tier down. So I put Bucks and Heat in the first tier and then those four teams in kind of the next tier. You, you could order them. Like I, you can make an argument for Sixers at three. I, I see that enough. Again, I'm kind of going with maybe more consistency in Boston, even though they're, you, you know, your team's losing Gordon Hayward there. I think that clears up a log jam at the wing a little bit, which probably makes them better to some degree. I wonder if maybe Danny Ainge is causing some tears on this team with the way he's treated some of this stuff. And if that creates some like, turmoil on there but i don't think it's enough and that's still a really talented team and that's why i've got the celtics up there at three they're keeping pretty much everybody and i actually kind of like the tristan thompson addition there i think boston now boston i have at four because as of right now they didn't get anything for hayward there's room for boston to move into that top tier still probably at four right now but the questions i have for boston is are what do you get back for Hayward ultimately if you can pull off a sign and trade? Are you getting a player who are moving? And, and so there are still question marks there. Is it a trade exception? How are you using those trade exceptions? So that that's a big question for the Celtics. That it really saps their depth. So still a good starting five, even yeah. if they move Marcus Smart into the starting five. Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. And at this point, either Daniel Tice or Tristan Thompson, that's a good starting five. That's basically the same starting five that got them uh, to the, you know, Eastern Conference Finals. So, yes, that's good. Upgrading Cantor to Thompson is good. Upgrading Brad Wanamaker to Jeff Teague is good. Now, the other variable is Jason Tatum. Does he take another step forward? And the reason I think he could take a step forward is last season – he, he took off the instant he was named to the all-star team. It validated him, and he responded to that validation of like, okay, I'm going to show you why I'm here. Then he made all-NBA, and then he got a max contract. So now I feel like he walks into this, this season with a ton more confidence, and that level of confidence is what has served him well. If he can get to the top, I'd say he's a top 10 player right now. I mean, sec- second team all-NBA. Of course he's a top 10 player. Um, yeah. If he can get into the top five, which I'm not saying he will, but I'm not saying he won't. If he can get into the top five, that changes the entire dynamic of what Boston does, and then they could move up in these rankings. That's fair. Again, it's at this point, it's kind of like season to taste, I think, a certain bit. So where do you have the Raptors? Six. Behind Miami. Okay. Um, so look, they losing Gasol hurts them. I think I don't think and Ibaka like that's big. I like the addition of uh, Baines to that team yep. to kind of fill some of that role a lot. I'm a big Fred Van Vliet believer, and mm-hmm. so I'm excited to see another year of him. I'm also big on Nick Nurse, kind of just making it work with whatever players he has. And Baines in that offense could really open them up some. So maybe I'm putting them a little bit too high, but it's kind of banking on Nick Nurse continuing to be as good of a coach as he's shown. Sure. I, I am not trying to sell Toronto short. Um, again, we're looking at guys taking steps forward. And the biggest thing to me is, does Pascal Siakam take that, that really take that leap? Last yeah, year, he, he started to, to when he faded. Step. But yes, he definitely does. If he does, then... Toronto leapfrogs and could could leapfrog Boston even. Um, I I wonder, like Fred Van Vliet is is obviously really good. He's small, um, and then you need to figure out like the, Kyle Lowry. How much does he really truly have left? 
he's small. Like those guys take beatings. It's a, and yeah. so they've, they've gotten very, very far on heart and teamwork and their success is like everything basketball fans should love about a team. Now I'm starting to wonder how close they are to the blues mobile kind of falling apart at the end of the movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. Like that's, that's where I, and, and you're going to have to get big performances out of Siakam. You're going to have to get more out of Ananobi. You're going to need to get more out of some of these guys that to, to help carry the load and spread the wealth. So I still don't think they have that top tier star until one of these guys shows me. Well, I mean, Lowry has been, I just think he's just, at 34 and the beating that I he's get, you taking, need another guy to take a leap on that team. I just to really need, I need somebody him. else. I just need somebody yeah. else. And then and someone could at, be Siakam who's shown flashes of it. Right. So looking at my top five of Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Philly, Boston, Miami, all of those guys have that player. In fact, you can argue that they have more than one of those players. Yeah. I think Toronto needs to show me that they have that player too, before they can ascend. See, there's some scientificness to, to the rankings right there. That was a really oh. good explanation. Thank you. All right, seven and eight. I've got the Pacers and Hawks. Pacers, I like just not having Nate McMillan in an, in a kind of ancient offense and opening them up a little bit. And mm-hmm. as much as I like Nate McMillan as a coach, and I actually do, oh man, you've modernized them a little bit. Like that team can be a first round lost playoff team that doesn't get swept at least. I I agree. I also have the Pacers in Atlanta at seven and eight. I'm really interested in Miles Turner this season for the, uh, the Pacers, because Nate McMillan has, has been accused of holding him back. I, I heard the, the locked on Pacers guys talking about this a lot on their podcast. The, the freedom that miles Turner will have in this new offense. What does he do with that? Does he become a guy who earns that 18 million he's making a year and make Danny Ainge look really bad because Miles Turner is the supposed stumbling block in the Gordon Hayward sign and trade talks with the Indiana Pacers. If he can show in a more wide open offense that he is indeed worth that money, then Danny Ainge will look at that and be like, man, I screwed up because Boston has that kind of wide open offense that he might've been able to thrive in. So that as a Boston guy, I'm watching with like, especially close eyes, and that could be the difference between Indiana being in the bottom half of these rankings versus the top half of these rankings. Also, obviously, Victor Oladipo is a I'm huge, big on Oladipo. Thing. Like I, I like him, and I think he's going he's gonna to be primed for a bounce back year. Healthy, getting some more time off to kind of go into this. Like I do think he, if some of those rumors kind of get put to, put to rest around him, and he just plays like he can play. I'm a big believer in him being a two way guard. And giving you a lot of kind of just what you want. And so I think he has a big season. I think that keeps him in the playoff hunt. I don't think they're going to get out of the first round. I'm not going to go that far with them just yet. But if Turner does end up playing much, much better, I think a lot of his numbers are actually like empty stats to some degree. I don't think he's right. as good of a three-point shooter as people kind of make him out to be. It's like a center who could shoot threes and people go nuts for that. And it's like, but you're not that <laughs> good of a three-point shooter. So right. I, I think because of that, like they're to some degree, they're overrated in a little bit. But they're at seven Hawks. I just like what they've done. Like intriguing yeah. team. That's going to be fun. That will score a bunch. I don't know about a ton of defense, but I love Trey young. I love John Collins Bogdanovich on that. Like they talk about a team that just did smart things. Yeah, they, they are definitely, I would say one of the most improved teams in, in the, uh, in the NBA over this uh, off season uh, adding, they did manage to add, some defense. Now, obviously Bogdanovich is, is more of the offensive type of player, but getting Chris Dunn is an important type pick. of player to have in the backcourt. Like Not he's pick, a free agent. Yes. But he's, he's like the type of player where you say, all right, you can put him in a backcourt with Trey oh, young. Trey young is perfect. Cause he has no offense. <laughs> right. So he can just go defend the, the, the other guy's best, the other team's best perimeter guy. And Trey can be Trey. So that that is an, an important pickup. Uh, if, if Onyeka Okongwu can show uh, a little something and contribute something uh, off of the bench, that would be big. Uh, Tony Snell. Um, not Tony Snell. What am I saying? Um, 
but anyway, they, they, they've added some help here uh, defensively that addresses some of those shortcomings. Is it enough to get past the eighth seed? I don't think so because they're still young. But I do like what they've done, and I think they're, they're good enough to be – they've gone – they could go from like – what is it? Were they the worst team in the East last year to a playoff team? That's a big jump. They, they weren't the worst team, right? It was the Knicks. It was Cleveland. Oh, Cleveland, Atlanta, Detroit, New York. Okay, so they were pretty close to it um, and only had one more win than Cleveland did. Yeah, no, absolutely. They're, they're probably the most improved team to some degree you could claim in the NBA right now. After that, I'm just going to fire through this. Uh, yeah. Magic at nine, Bulls 10, Hornets 11, Wizards 12, Pistons 13, because I don't know what they did in free agency. Uh, <laughs> Knicks 14 and Cavs 15. So I go Orlando 10. Chicago 11, Washington 12, um, New York 13, Detroit 14, because I don't know what they did in free agency. <laughs> but it's, and then Cleveland fit. Cleveland's going to be Wait, the worst team in the league. Seed? Charlotte. Did I say Charlotte? Charlotte? Okay. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you would, you jumped to 10, but no, it's uh, about sorry. right. Like, Charlotte, no, that's, Charlotte. That's yeah. Right. I'm a believer like, in Hayward. Yeah. I, I think like, getting Stupid money, like overpay like crazy. They you should not do that in no that market, though. Like, you've got to do that. Like, I guess, yes. But I mean, even you then, just I'm pay like, to get what you want. Like, I've overpaid for I things do, just to make sure I got it. <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, look, whatever. That they have different motivations. I think Gordon Hayward still has an all star season or two left in him if he can be healthy. That's that's the thing. And I don't believe that he's injury prone. I think he's had some horrible injury luck, which is a big difference to me. And I think opening things up in Charlotte, having him be one of the main options can, can really show the quality of player that he was if he doesn't, if the bad luck ends. So I, I think he, he can help them get close to a playoff hunt. I think that's about right. Like, you know, I think there's definitely a drop off from say the Hornets to the, Wizards, depending on how they are, they're kind of in a weird tier by themselves, but the Pistons, Knicks, Cavs feel like the bottom three kind of by far to me in that conference. Yep, yep, easily. Pistons, good draft, and then what did they do with their money in free agency? Uh, signed every center that they could. Oh, it, it was frustrating. Um, <laughs> and I'm frustrated about something with that, with the salary cap, which I'm going to like launch into in the next segment. Uh, We're also going to start with a recurring segment. I'm excited for this one. That is coming up here. It's going to be the first ever edition of the Wednesday Sour Rankings. If you want to get basketball smart, it starts with listening to the Hollinger and Duncan podcast, exclusively part of the Locked On Podcast Network. NBA analytics pioneer and front office insider and former front office executive, John Hollinger joins Dunked On podcast host Nate Duncan to bring you scouting reports, game breakdowns, and salary cap analysis. Subscribe to Hollinger and Duncan today wherever you get your podcasts. All right, John, I'm excited for this because we are doing, this is going to be a recurring segment on the Wednesday show in the mm -hmm. third segment, always sour rankings. Yeah. We gave you the power rankings in the beginning. It's not as fun. It's not going to change a ton throughout the season, but we're, we're kind of two older guys. I'm 34. I'm not going to list John's age here to not make him feel bad. We, we older than 34. Older than 34. I don't like it when kids are on my lawn. I'm sure you don't Never. like it when kids are on your lawn either. Party I got rid of the lawn sort of just to get rid of the kids. Yeah, there you go. Staying up late? No way. Uh, so we're going to start the first ever sour rankings of things that kind of annoy us and make us angry in the NBA. But I've got a valid yeah. one, I think. I don't think I'm, I'm okay. out, out of left field on this. I'm pissed off and annoyed with the salary cap. What did the salary cap ever do to you, Jake? <laughs> right? Okay, so, so here's my train of thought on this. It, the salary cap doesn't matter is what it feels like this offseason in particular. We've kind of been building to this point. Look at some of the deals that went down all of the player movement. There were, what, four teams that had cap space? How are all of these players signing these massive deals with new teams? It's sign-and-trades. It's fine, right? But we've gotten just kind of beyond, like, the single sign-and-trade for a team to add a guy and for that other team to just kind of get something in return so they don't lose them for nothing. And I think it's hitting the point where, again, isn't the salary cap kind of designed to limit that to some degree? Look at the trade with New Orleans, Milwaukee, OKC, and Denver. It involved three sign-and-traded players from New Orleans going to OKC. It involved an extended trade 
from uh, Steven Adams and the Oklahoma City Thunder. It just feels like you shouldn't be able to kind of do some of these things. And that's not what the salary cap is there is designed to do. And these executives are so smart and the front offices are so smart. They've just figured out every single loophole to kind of make this stuff work. Another example of it is I think some of the stuff is kind of absurd, say, with OKC and the Atlanta Hawks. They had the cap space to sign Danilo Gallinari. In theory, Mm -hmm. he leaves the Oklahoma City Thunder, who didn't trade him at the trade deadline and risk losing him for nothing in free agency. They had the cap space to sign him. It should kind of be the end of it, but it's being done as a sign and trade so that Oklahoma City Thunder is going to get a big trade exception from this deal. They shouldn't have that trade exception. Oklahoma, or the Hawks had cap space. Like, I don't know if this was exactly how it was designed to work and people are just taking advantage of loopholes, which you know what? Well, those loopholes exist, like go and do it. I cheat on my taxes, so I pay less. It's a loophole. I take advantage of it. I don't mind things like that, but I think we hit a point this offseason where it was just so much of this that it, it, what's the salary cap supposed to do? Yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, and it's it's so confusing. There's a lot of stuff there. I think I think that 14 trade is such an aberration. Like uh, it that is. We've never seen anything never, like that. That never ever happens whenever people send me one of those trades and it's like who says I don't no i bother everybody everybody because it's insane and it never happens okay so it did um i think i think it's one of those things like in the same vein as getting mad at the warriors or 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 kevin durant sure um it was an aberration they shouldn't have been able to do it but they did um i i think that there's a possibility that free agent signings can become uh, sign-in trades at some point from now on. Like teams may just say, Hey, this could be a new, this could be the new trend. There's every, every collective bargaining agreement has like that thing. Like I'm sitting here waiting for word on what Gordon Hayward's going to do. He's signing with the Charlotte Hornets. Danny Ainge all of a sudden says, wait a minute, hold on. Can we do this as a sign-in trade? And now, it, it does depend on a couple of things. It depends on, is the other team willing to help you? And if they're not in your conference, then maybe they, they are. Or if they're at different stages of their development, maybe they will. Do you have an asset that you're willing to give up that you think is big enough that for you to get that trade exception? Now, the, the Thunder certainly did. Players that they were willing to give away, draft picks that they're willing to sell, that stuff. Not every team's willing to do that either. So I think this is going to be like a self-policing thing. And and I think it's just situationally, this year with these teams, with OKC with a ton of cap space and all of these assets, things to move, and the, the, the Hawks and, and the Pelicans with all of these picks and things to move. Like, we're looking at great GMs doing great things. And I don't think that, I don't think that it's going to be as pronounced as it was this year, but I do think that there is the possibility that it does set a precedent to kind of uh, create this new thing. My final point, eight exceptions aren't used. A lot of them expire. Uh, and I'm that's the other other. side For the of most it. part. They're not used. People get really excited about those sorts of things. And right. like, everyone's like, Oh, what could, what happens with it? You Should rarely see what trade it- exception is. Should we explain it? Basically, it's just you could absorb. Yeah, you you get a you get a thing that you can absorb a contract into. It's how the Warriors got it's, Kelly Oubre Jr. It's the amount of the traded player's first year. So you trade a player away for nothing into a team a team that can take him with cap space. He signs that first year for twenty million. You get a twenty million dollar trade exception. It lasts for one year. You can't combine it with anything else, but you can split it into pieces, and you can only use it to trade for a player and absorb him into that spot. They don't often get used. They no, rarely they, they, they ever they get used. They rarely do. People make too much of a big deal over those for the most part. I agree with that. Fully, fully agree with that. It's rare that a team like the Warriors will swing on a guy like that. That's just because they are they have a ton of money with their billionaire owners and don't mind paying tax and all of that stuff. Right. But you rarely see these things used. And for the most part, people make a big deal over them and nothing ever, ever happens. I fully agree with you there. 
Still, again, why does Still OKC annoying. get this? It, 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 so part of this Still is annoying. I want the Pelicans to control all the draft picks, and I don't want OKC <laughs> to actually use that trade exception to get another draft pick that, that rightfully belongs here in New Orleans. No, um, it just seems like one of those things where – so you make a good point that this might not be the norm. There was no cap space this summer, like how this offseason. How are, how are players supposed to move and change teams and, other than signing trades? There's no other real way to do it, so it could be – an exception to the norm. I look at a team like Milwaukee, though, too. There's a salary cap. There's limits on what they can do. They shouldn't necessarily be able to add Bogdanovich in there through that kind of sign and trade thing. I think it's kind of looking at that where they, the, it, a lot of this is the rich keep getting richer for the most part. And if you're trying to create more parity in the league, that's not what you want. Also, I'm a big fan of small markets, so go Milwaukee, try and do it. Right. The other, the other element of the sign and trades is accepting a player through a sign and trade does hard cap a team. So there's, yeah. there is that. So if you are now, that doesn't mean the team that's sending out the, the player gets hard cap, the play, the team that does. So that does limit how often that can happen though. So they can say, well, Hey, you want to just sign this guy. You've got the cap space. We can do it as a sign and trade. How many, how many free agents are, are going to be moving first of all, Secondly, if you're doing a sign and trade with a free agent because you're over the cap, that's why most sign and trades happen. Like, but yeah, of course. So, so that's why the Indiana Pacers were looking to a sign and trade with with the Celtics and Gordon yeah. Hayward. Those don't happen very often because you get a player like that, you're going to get hard capped. So there are mechanisms that that do kind of police this type of thing. So I don't know. I. I no matter what it is, you see you where I'm coming from with this. I at the very totally least. get it. I totally like to, get it. To me, that just means Indiana shouldn't be able to sign Gordon Hayward. Like that's kind. Of, isn't that how that's supposed to work? Sure, but you know, there's. But then you have to. You, you still have to be able to improve it, your team. You still no, have, I, still I agree have with a mechanism you. There. Look, also we've moved past the idea of bird rights really being mainly used to retain your own guys. That was like the intended. Mm-hmm purpose of them and i think the nba shifted beyond that so maybe maybe i need to change with the times too come on man get with it old man here we go <laughs> yeah all right that's as good of a spot to wrap up today's show as anywhere else um so there we go on wednesdays i'm your co-host jake madison at nola jake on twitter and the host of the locked on pelicans podcast and i'm john corrales at reds army underscore john on twitter much older than jake you can find me hosting the locked on celtics podcast Thank you all for listening. Enjoy your Thanksgiving and we'll be back with you all next week.